So we're in a series called Get Your Ship Together. If you've ever been on a sinking ship, you want to get on a floating boat, right? So we've been talking about how the Bible's just full of ship. It's got relationship, lordship, citizenship, stewardship, how to go through hardship, worship. There's all kinds of ships in the Bible. And so Noah built a big ship. So there's, there's all sorts of boats. And we've been talking about how God's word will help you get in ship shape. So last week we said there's the two most important ships that we can talk about are lordship. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. And then the second most important ship is stewardship. And so we talked about how do we manage our time. As Christ followers, we're all called to be managers, stewards, if you will. And so we said, how do we manage our time to get the most out of our time? I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to that if you missed it last week. But today, we're going to talk about a very important ship, relationships. Because they can cause you the most joy, they can cause you the most pain. But we want to talk about something today that is going to be, you can apply this immediately and see instant improvement in your relationships. How many of you are ready for that? Okay? All right, so, um, and I'm not going to talk about this today specifically from like romantic relationships or marriage relationships, although it will apply to that, and you'll see the connection. But what we're called to do here on the earth, big picture, right, as Christ followers, is fulfill the great commission that Jesus gave us. So a one-word summary of go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature is this, influence, influence. We are called to exert godly influence in people's lives for the purpose of bringing them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In fact, that's why this church exists, to fulfill the Great Commission to do our part of fulfilling the Great Commission. That's why it's called Harvest Church. Harvest represents people coming in to the kingdom like wheat comes into the barn. And so we want to manage relationships in such a way where we can exert influence to bring people to Christ. Can I get a little amen right there? Let me read this to you. Uh, Dr. John Getty went to Annie Edom in 1848 and he worked there for the Lord as a missionary for 24 years. And they made a tablet, inscribed a, a tablet in his honor, and this is what it says. I'm going to read it to you. It says, when he landed in 1848, there were no Christians. When he left in 1872, there were no heathen. Oh, that's the goal, right? I believe, and I would love for them to be able to say that about Mobile, Alabama, because what we're doing is we're trying to make it hard to go to hell from Mobile. You can get there, but not from here. Right, And that's, our, that's what we're trying to do, is make it hard to go to hell from Mobile. We want, to, we want people to experience Jesus, get connected. You heard about, talking about small groups. We want people to discover their destiny, their gifts, and their talents, and start serving. And we want people to change the world. Well, if your world's been changed by the gospel, then our calling is to change the world for somebody else. Right. So I'm going to talk about three things today. Three things today that will help us exert godly influence because the world tries to exert influence through whatever, bribery, uh, greed, intimidation. But God has a different way. And so point number one today is a tool that never fails. A tool that never fails. Can you think of anything that never fails? Love 
never fails. It's the greatest people management tool that we have at our disposal. And so if your relationship is failing, then you have a problem, right? Because you say, well, faith can fix my problem, and that's true. But here's the deal. Faith works by love. And so if you're having a faith failure, it could be because you're having a love failure. If your faith life isn't working, it might be because your love life isn't working. But the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christ follower. And, but sometimes we have to intentionally, all the time, we have to intentionally access it and yield to it, right? Now, sometimes you don't feel like loving folk, do you? Come on, I'm not the only one. <laughs> right. But we want to tap into not the human love, not phileo, friendship love, or eros, the you know, romantic love. That's all great. But there's a higher love, and it's called agape. And if we find that word, that's the God kind of love. We find it in John 3, 16. You know it. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Let's stop right there. God loved. So what did he do? He gave. So the God kind of love is a giving kind of love so what do you give it's not just you know give money in the offering plate when it goes by it's much more than that first corinthians 13 is the great love chapter and it's going to tell us how love behaves you ready for it they're going to put it up on the screen i'm going to read it from the screen out of the uh i think we got the amplified or no, new king james that works love suffers long and is kind how many know it's one thing to suffer long it's another thing to be kind while you do it right Okay, so love is patient and kind. I got impatient about something yesterday evening, and the first thing that went was my kindness. I had to go back and repent to my family, and they were quick to forgive me, and I appreciated that. So love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. <clears throat> love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Verse 7, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And you know this next one, love never fails. That's a pretty good record, isn't it? I mean, speaking of all the ships in the Bible, we got championship, like Alabama football. I mean, those guys, they just never fa Okay, never mind. That's got a mixed crowd here I can tell so I am deeply sorry for your loss yesterday those of you who, who lost but it was a good game it was a good game so all right love I like the message bible it says love doesn't fly off the handle just elbow your neighbor no don't, don't do that don't do that listen to the spirit-filled life bible it says love endures long and is as, and is patient and gives people time to grow that's nice isn't it how many of you are glad that you've had time to grow? Somebody gave you time to grow, right? Well, let's give each other time and space to grow, right? It's not automatic. If it was easy, everybody would be growed up, right? And here's the benefit to doing this because, you know, we want to exert influence in people's lives. That's true. But here's the benefit to managing relationships well. When God wants to supply your need and bless you, 99% of the time, he does it through a relationship that you've cultivated and built. So, when the devil wants to destroy you, often he sends a person into your life. 
right? But when God wants to bless you, he sends a person into your life. When the devil wants to blow you up, he sends a person. When God wants to pick you up, he sends a person. So we have to manage relationships in such a way that we're not cutting off the avenues of blessing that God has for us, right? Um, I, you want a real-life illustration real quick? So uh, we, somebody, a relationship, somebody blessed us with some um, thermostats for our church where, I mean, we've got thermostats. I mean, Noah had them on the ark when he was setting the tent. They're old, you know what I'm saying? And so, but somebody blessed us with, I don't know, $1,500, $1,600 worth of thermostats that are on the Wi-Fi. And, and so like last night, because I knew it was going to be hot today and I wanted y'all to be comfortable, I was on my way home from a soccer match in Foley. I wasn't playing, my son was. And, and so I thought, it was really hot. Man, it's hot yesterday. Aren't you glad you're not going to hell? I mean, yesterday was hot. Whew. It's good to be saved. So, but we're, God will use relationships to benefit you, but you have to manage them right, right? I'll give you an example. A girl named Marie, she broke up with her, broke an engagement with her boyfriend, Jimmy. And she felt real bad about it, so she wrote him a note. She said, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. I love you so much. Please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. Isn't that sweet? P.S. Congratulations on winning the Florida State Lottery. So to the extent, if you're taking notes, jot this down. To the extent that you have managed your relationships properly through the love of God, you have cultivated channels whereby God can meet your need. Here's point number two. How? How do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. John chapter 15, <clears throat> verses 9 through 12. We won't read it all, but this is Jesus talking. He says, love one another. How? As I have loved you. How has Jesus loved you? Just shout out a few things. You can talk at church here. It's okay. Huh? He died for you. Yes. Unconditionally. Sacrificially. What would you say? He healed me abundantly. So yeah. So we're to love each other like Jesus has loved us. In the first service somebody said, he loved the hell out of me. Which is true technically. <clears throat> So that's good. We should love the hell out of each other, right? <clears throat> so we should spend a lot of time on this, this thought because the Bible says that it talks about knowing the height and the depth and the width of the love of Christ that passes knowledge. So the God's love for us is a, is a big, big thing. So usually we reserve our expression of love for people that, that deserve it, don't we? But that's not what God did for us. Listen to this verse in Romans chapter 5 in verse 8. It says that God commended his love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Aren't you glad that God didn't wait for you to get your act together before he decided to send Jesus to die for you? I mean, I appreciate those four amens from that side of the room. But let me ask this side of the room. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't wait for you to, and for me to get our act together before he came and died for our sins? Woo, man. Yes, because the truth of the matter is we would have never gotten our act together, right? If that's true about the person sitting next to you, just raise your hand right now and wave it a little bit. It's true for all of us. That's why I said that. So, Yeah, 
I'm so thankful for that. But you cannot love somebody, and if you're taking notes, this is one of those zingers you want to write down. You cannot love somebody until you know how much God loves you. I know that sounds really simple, but listen to this. It's in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John 4 and verse 15, 16, 17. We'll read verse 18 in a minute. 1 John 4, 15, it says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed that the love that God has for us, God is love. See, God doesn't have any love. He is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we also in this world. So love gives us boldness. You can't be bold unless you know that you're loved. And I love that. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. Listen, listen to this. Not as Jesus used to be. That would be cool. He's awesome. But as he is right now. Well, how is he right now? He's raised from the, he defeated death, hell, the grave. He's resurrected. He's a fire from the waist up. He's a fire from the waist down. And the Bible says he got fire shooting out of his eyes. So just like he is right now, that's how you are if you're in the love of God, if God's love is in you. I know God's love will put something in your eyes. This was years ago, but I was standing in the back of a pickup truck preaching the gospel with a bullhorn at a venue where people weren't doing godly things. And, you know, just having fun. It's fun to share good news with people. You know, shine the light for folks that are in darkness. Well, this one couple, I guess they didn't appreciate it very much. And um, the boyfriend was about to climb up in the truck and express to me how much he didn't like what I was saying. And I, and I thought, well, I'm about to get beat up for Jesus. I don't want to, but I guess if I have to, I will. And I'd already dodged a few beer, beer bottles and stuff. And, um, <clears throat> but... Uh, I just told him, I, I smiled and said, hey, I'm not mad at you. God's not mad at you. That's why I'm here to tell you he loves you. And you're, you're, he loves you so much, he didn't want you living like this. And the girl, she grabbed her boyfriend by the arm. And she said, let's get out of here. That white boy's eyes scare me. <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't that I was being mean, but it was the love of God in me looking at him. How many know that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? Right? And when you know that you're loved by God, you can be bold and confident in the face of anything that comes your way. <clears throat> and it's not your personality. It's the love of God on the inside of you. Right? It makes you secure and confident. And most of us, we've got somebody in our life that we're, we're, they love us and that we, it's settled. We know they love us, whether it's your mama or your daddy or your sibling or your best friend or who, your pastor. You know, I know they love me. It's just settled, right? But, not, but a lot of Christians don't have that settled when it comes to God's love for them. I mean, after all, I, I mean, I, I can rate, relate because I know how, you know, despicable I can be sometimes. I know how, you know, rotten I can act sometimes on different occasions and why would the perfect God love me but he does and he doesn't love you because you're so good he loves you because he's so good all right so 
your quality of life. I'm about to say a huge, I'm going to drop a truth bomb on you. You ready? Your quality of life depends on this revelation of knowing how much God loves you. Meaning, you cannot have a happy marriage unless you know God loves you. You cannot have successful friendships and relationships unless you know God loves you. You cannot influence people positively unless you know God loves you. Every relationship problem that I've witnessed as a minister over the last 26 plus years. And I'm making an absolute statement. Every relationship problem that I've witnessed. It comes from either one or both persons in the relationship having insecurities. Some sort of insecurity. And then the psychologists will tell you, well, insecurity comes from, you know, sibling rivalries or parental neglect. And I'm not belittling those things. Those things happen. But let me give you the cure, all right? Because we all have issues. One thing we all have in common, red, yellow, black, or white, is that we're all uniquely screwed up in our own special way. <laughs> but here's the cure, all right? This is the cure, all the fix-all. You ready? It's having a personal revelation of how much God loves you. Jesus loves me, this I know. You got to know it. For the Bible tells me so, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you don't know that, you're going to be insecure in some form or fashion, and it's going to screw up a relationship or 12. It will. The real issue that makes it impossible to relate to other people is insecurity of the depth of God's love for you. 1 John 4, 18 says, perfect love casts out all fear, all insecurity. Now, perfect love casts out fear. So if, if you have fear, worry, anxiety, insecurity in any way, in any area, you're not perfected in love. The word perfect means, it doesn't mean flawless, it means complete, finished, fulfilled, replete. So perfect love, God's love will complete you. It will perfect you. It will fulfill you. And, and by the way, it, it'll, it'll get you to a point to where you don't have to have a man. You don't have to have a girlfriend every time you turn around, a different girlfriend every time you turn around. In fact, until you are perfected in God's love, until you know how much God loves you, you're going to mess up any relationship you get in. So save yourself and the other person some heartache and stay single until you get perfected in the love of God. Now, when I say perfected, I don't mean that you're perfect because no perfect people allowed except for Jesus, right? He let us all in the door. But I'm talking about until you get a working, living, moving operation revelation of his love for you because he he loves you he loves you all right now uh, one summer night <clears throat> a severe thunderstorm you know those we can get them around here the, the toad strangling lightning storms and thunderstorms and you get you know a foot of rain and in 30 minutes and it's bad right but a mother was tucking her small son into bed and she was about to turn off the light and in a little scared trembling voice he said mommy will you please stay with me all night 
And smiling, the mother gave him a warm, reassuring hug. And tenderly she said, I can't, dear. I have to sleep in Daddy's room tonight. And there was a long silence. And at last, it was broken by a little shaky voice. The little boy said, The big sissy. (laughs) Daddy needed to get a revelation of how much God loved him so he wouldn't be so scared so these two missionaries were in India in the jungle and all of a sudden a ferocious tiger jumped out roared at him and one missionary said to the other he goes remember the book we read that if you don't move they'll just turn and they'll walk away and the other missionary said I've read the book and you've read the book but how do we know the tiger read the book (laughs) fear and insecurity right so, okay, okay, I can do better. Um, so there was, we, we were, one time I was taking a team, we were trekking to this village on the Nepali border, to a village that had never heard the gospel before, and all of a sudden one of those ferocious tigers jumped out and roared, and I said, quick, everybody pray, start confessing Psalm 91, so God protect us. And then we heard the tiger say, Lord, please bless this food to the nourishment of my body. <laughs> okay. We're going to miss Rajiv. I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. The tiger part didn't happen. We were actually tracking to a a village, but the tiger didn't jump out and pray. Tigers can't talk. It was a joke. It was a joke. Okay. All right. Anyway, moving right along. I'll leave the jokes off. I'm not doing too good today. So if you're tormented by fear in any form that it takes, worry, anxiety, et cetera, et cetera, you're not perfected in love yet, but If your life is controlled by fear, you will not positively influence anybody, right? Not positively. But if you have no fear, and that's our goal, because perfect love casts all fear out. If you have no fear, then you are one bold dude. And and that means this 2-1-1 thing, you'll share your faith with some. You'll share your, let me tell you what God did for me. And if he did it for me, I know he loves you as much as he loves me. Let me, can I pray for you? You'll be bold. Or if the doctor gives you a bad report, You won't be terrified. You'll just go, well, I appreciate it, Doc, but I'm going to believe the Lord's report by his stripes. I'm healed. Or if you have a financial challenge, you're not going to have a heart attack. You're going to know, thank God I'm not controlled by the world's economy. I'm involved in a different, the kingdom economy. Why? Because you know, well, God loves me. He's going to work this out for my good. Because I love him. He loves me. I'm called according to his purpose. All things work together for my good. Because you have a revelation that he loves you. I don't know if you knew this or not, but you're God's favorite person. <laughs> Say, me? Yeah. You. All of us? Yeah, you. Say, how does that work? I don't know, but it's cool. I am God's favorite. He, when he, God made a self-portrait when he made Adam and Eve in the garden. So if you want to know what God looks like, look in the mirror. He loves you. He, lo- he put his mark on you. You are the object of his kindness and benevolence. You know why God created man? Not so, you know, people say, well, we're created to worship God. Well, we get to worship God, but God didn't create us to worship him. That would be like saying, well, I had kids so they can follow me around and tell me how great I am. That doesn't happen, let me just tell you. I mean, every now and then you get a compliment, but, you know, they're few and far between. I remember several years ago, you know, Gavin was in middle school. He's junior in college now, but I remember he, Gavin looked at me one day. 
He's like, Dad, didn't you ever want to be like a rock star? I mean, you play guitar and you write music. And I'm like, yeah, I thought I wanted to do that. But I answered the call of God all my life, you know, to pastor and to preach. And Gavin, he shook his head and he goes, man, Dad, you could have been really something great. So we don't have kids so they can follow us around and tell us how great we are. We have kids so we can follow them around and tell them how great they are, right? Well, that's why God had kids. That's why he made us because, remember, God doesn't have any love. He is love. He created us because love has to have an object to receive the kindness and the goodness. So he created you just so he could show you how good he is. So, well, then why in the world is life so hard? Because the devil's mean and he doesn't like you. But don't worry about him. He's not omnipresent. He can be in one place at one time, and God's everywhere all the time, and he's looking out for you. Amen? So whatever happens, know God is on your side. Like that first song they sang today, which was so good, by the way. Worship was amazing today. Uh, Wow. So good. Wow. So good. Yeah. Give him a big hand. That was... They, they worked hard. They worked hard. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but everybody on this stage is a volunteer. So they're giving their talent. So, I'm so proud of those guys. And everybody in the back, you don't see them, but, the, but they make these guys sound. Our media guys and sound techs and light. So thank you, camera guys. Thank you. So if you're watching this on Facebook Live, just give a little round of applause for the cameramen right now because they're helping us, you know, do this. So, all right. Keep moving here. Here's point number three. How do you position yourself for this revelation? How, well, if I, if I, how do I get this revelation that God loves me? Let's talk about it. John was the only disciple who had this revela- revelation uh, before all the other disciples did. In fact, John, the disciple, followed Jesus all the way to the cross. All the other disciples ran because they were scared, but not John. John was called the disciple whom Jesus loved. He knew God loved him and Jesus loved him. And he said, I'm going to follow you all the way to the cross. And by the way, parenthetically, I don't know if this is connected in any way, but John is the only disciple who did not die a martyr's death. I wonder if Jesus is like, mm-hmm, okay, rest of y'all, you, you, you say you love me, let's see. I know John loves me, he followed me. I don't know if there's a connection there or not, it's just you know, me thinking. But you know, John, he's the guy that they tried to boil him alive in oil to kill him, and he wouldn't die. How many know you can't kill love? He's known as the apostle of love. He wrote 1 John 1, 2, and 3, and the Gospel of John. So and what's the dominant theme? Love, the love of God. God is love. That's, he's the one who told us God is love. He had a revelation of this. And when you have a revelation of this, they can't kill you either. That's good stuff. You, you can laugh when everybody else cries because you know you're loved. Amen. Amen. So two things that you can do to position yourself for God's love to get this revelation. The first one is this. You got to fellowship and commune with God on a regular basis. Most people don't do this. They just throw out a few God do's in their prayer. You know what God do's are? They're like honey do's except the stuff you want God to do for you. And that's great. And that's okay. But it can't be only that. You have to pursue the person of Jesus, the person of the Holy Spirit, and build, you know, if you just throw out a bunch of God do's, don't wonder why, well, why's God blessed brother so-and-so and not me. Well, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so might be tapping into the person, not just the God's ability to do stuff for you. 
kind of know when, when, when you have a revelation of his love for you and you have a working relationship with God, it's, you almost don't even have to ask him to do stuff for you. The blessings of God just chase you down and overtake you. It's pretty cool. It's a really good deal. So get in God's word because when you get in God's word, it deals a death blow to insecurity in your life. So spending time with God in prayer is, is, is huge. So, um, well, what if I don't have a desire to pray? And I've been there. We've all been there. You don't want to pray? It's kind of like you don't want to eat your broccoli. You don't want to read your Bible. Here's something that I do. Almost every morning, you know, I, I turn on my Bible app on my phone, and I listen to the Word of God. You know, years ago, you know, I hit play on the, the tape player, the cassette player. Now, kids, a cassette player is this little <laughs> thing that... Anyway, ask your parents when you get home. So, but anyway, but I listen almost every day. I'll read and I'll listen to the Word of God. Why? Because it deals a death blow to insecurity in me. 25 years ago, I was so insecure. I almost ruined my marriage. And, and, and it was, I, I was, I'm so blessed to have such a great woman. But I almost screwed it up because I was just an insecure guy. Well, the Word of God will root that insecurity out of you. Because until you know you're loved, you can't give love. <laughs> so you got to fellowship and commune with God through his word. Everybody say, I'll do it. And if you don't feel like doing it, develop, cultivate an appetite for it. Because you, you cultivate an appetite for things that you give your attention to. So be careful what you give your attention to. Proverbs says, my son, give your attention to my word. It'll be life to your flesh and health to your bones. That's why you develop an addiction for things. Like if you've never watched the sitcom Office, you don't know how funny it is. So you don't have an appetite for it. But if you watch a couple episodes, you'll be like, hey, that's funny stuff. I want to see another one. I'm not recommending that show, by the way. But it is, it is funny. But I'm not recommending it. But, you know, that's why guys, they don't have a, develop, they don't have a developed appetite for pornography, but then they see it. And then they want to see us some more. And then what next thing they have an addiction. So you be careful what you give your attention to. If you'll give your attention to God's word and prayer, you will develop a hunger for that. And those other addictions will begin to fall off because you're starving them. So starve the stuff that you need to kill and feed the stuff that you need to grow and thrive. Okay? I know that's simple, but it works. Listen to this, 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. In other words, if you give your attention to the world, you're going to develop an appetite for the wrong stuff, right? Focus on what you want to develop an appetite for. Paul the Apostle said it this way, look not to the, un look not to the seen, but look to the unseen. In other words, turn your attention intentionally to spiritual things, right? Make him the focus of your attention, and you'll be hungry for him. 1 John 3, 16. It says, hereby we perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our life for our brethren. So we know God's love is in us because we love the brethren. How do we know we love the brethren? Because we serve the brethren. Let me read this verse to you in Philippians 2. It says, verse 4, Philippians 2, 4. Don't be concerned only about your own interests, but be concerned about the interests of others. Have the same attitude that Christ had, although he was in the form of God, he did not take advantage of his equality. Instead, he emptied himself by taking the form of a what? A servant. 
So I'm going to drop a truth bomb on you before we go. You ready? This is huge. This is about developing God's love, knowing God loves you and you loving other people. Here we go. I'm telling you, this is going to rock your world. And it's simple, but it's profound. Second only. Second only to loving God. The most important thing in life is serving others. Second only to loving God and knowing that he loves us. We is serving others. Serving others. And I'll tell you why. Fear, worry, anxiety, all that insecurity has its root in one thing. Self-interest. Let me say it one more way. If you're always telling everybody how worried you are, what you're really advertising is how selfish you are. Okay. I want to leave us on an up note, and that wasn't it. <laughs> but the truth hurts sometimes, but this will help you. So instead of vocalizing your worry, your anxiety, because all fear is rooted in self-interest, I'm going to use the resource of my life to minister to others. Because that's what your life is. It's, it's a resource. You ever heard of human resources? You are a human resource. And what does God want to use you for? To minister to others. Oh, man, I can meddle here for a little while because I, I hear it all the time in my, in my line of work. I just want to find my purpose. Well, that's great. I want to help you find your purpose. But I got good news and I got bad news. The good news is God has a purpose for your life. The bad news is it's not about you. <laughs> It's about helping and serving somebody else. So if you find a purpose that's about you, it's not from God. Because the purpose God has for you is for you to serve and reach somebody else. Now, preacher, you mean everything in my life has to be oriented around helping other people? Only if you want to live an abundant life. I mean, if you want to go back to the pig trough you came out of then just recrown yourself as king or queen and in no time your life will fall apart again if you become the centerpiece and focal point of your life but if you make others Christ and others the focal point of your life I'm telling you that's where abundant life begins I'm giving you some good handles today you want to steer your ship in the right direction I'm giving you the handles right now I know this is simple, and it's not, I didn't say it was easy, but I did say it's better. This Christian life isn't easier, but it's better. All right, in conclusion, let me close with this. So, the two combinations that produce a revelation of God's love for you is fellowship with God and living a life serving others. That deals, um, it deals with being self-motivated. So, living a life a fellowship with God and serving others. That's the crux of the message today. Love God, serve others. You can't do that until you know God loves you. How do you develop that? Spend time with God in his word and prayer and in his presence like we, like we did today, all right? So do these two things and you'll awaken an exploding revelation of how important you are to God. It's awesome. Fear will be gone. The quality of your relationships will improve exponentially. Does that sound like anything you want? You'll be able to influence others for God like never before. Your life will become much less complicated. 
That sounds good, doesn't it? It's worth it just for that. You'll start, in other words, you'll start living the good life, an uncomplicated life, an abundant life. You will get your ship together. But you got to know how much God loves you. And the way you know that is spending time with him. And when you do that, you're going to all of a sudden realize how important you are to Jesus. And you're going to start serving and helping others. That's why we tell you all the time, get in a small group, join a serve team. Get in a small group, join a serve team. Because let's be honest, there's Sundays that you would not have come to church if you didn't have to show up and volunteer. Am I, am I telling the truth? Yeah? All right? But so we're trying to trick you. to get you here. Say, oh, that's what you're doing? Yes. Why are you telling us that? So that you keep coming. So, so I don't know about you, but I have to trick myself all the time. I'm like, like right now, I, I said, where are my keys? I, well, I get, I, every day, every Sunday, I give them to my valet. Because you know why? If I didn't, only God would know where my keys were. Every science day. So I trick myself. I'm like, where are my keys? I got them for you, Pastor, right here. All right? So how many of y'all do that? I put my briefcase right in front of the door that I go out every morning so that I literally have to trip over it. And I'm like, oh, oh, I better take that with me. Because I get to the office, I'm like, where's my computer? I left. So yeah, I'm a little bit of an airhead. And there are some mornings, you know, it's like that one guy. His mom came to get him up for church. Honey, you got to go to church today. I don't want to go. You ever heard that from your kids? I don't want to. Honey, you need to go. It'll be good for you. I don't want to go. I'm tired. Those people are mean up there at that church. Son, you're the pastor. You have to go to church today. <laughs> Amen. Will you bow your heads? Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your word that heals us, that helps us, that equips us, that feeds us. And there's nothing more important than making Jesus the head, the captain, the Lord of our life. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, we're going to pray the prayer of salvation. We're all going to pray it together. And if you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, would you just mean it from your heart as you say it out of your mouth? If you're watching this online today, come on, pray with us right now. Let's all say it. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I repent of my sins. I believe Jesus died for my sins. They buried him. But on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. And I say, Jesus, you are my Lord. From this minute forward, I am yours. You are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you just were born again. Welcome to the family of God. And I'm telling you, like I said, what you did is easy. And it's not necessarily easy living this life, but it is better. It's definitely better. And I welcome you to the family of God.